Well, looking back at the week that's just gone, I guess uh, for us Kiwis, one of the uh, more entertaining political news has been a uh, been Australia and the so-called leadership spill. Uh, and I'm joined uh, in the studio by... I, I like to refer to Tyler as a Marxist historian, I think. Is that a good, good um, title? I think Marxist historians usually have a higher level of, like, crankery and obscure stuff you'd never bother reading <laughs> packed away. Yeah. I'm not um, thinking about that level yet. <laughs> politics department alumni... Um, Tyler Stewart? West, actually. West. Mm. West. Uh, and yes, so Tyler's here because uh, he is an expert on Australia. But before we start, I just want to situate us uh, in the Australian uh, environment of, of political absurdity. Um, because, well, we, we do get that over here in New Zealand, but the Australians are a different breed. And here's Bob Cadden. Fraser Anning's comments in his maiden speech. Absolutely, 1,000%. I support everything he said. He said, money to develop our dams, our great dam on the Mitchell River, right at the back of us here. He talked about um, the right to collectively bargain for our farmers and our workers. It was a magnificent speech. It was solid gold. And he stumbled on a bit of a malaprop, isn't there? And, hey, he didn't go to university. He was out working building pipelines for the coal and the gas and the oil and working in Gladstone uh, with a hard hat on. Um, he's a member of the hard left, not the lily pad left. He didn't get to a university and know the significance of all these words. Um, but uh, um, the thrust is that the Jewish people in this country are to be protected. And don't you, with your hypocrisy, say you're protecting them. You are bringing people into this country dedicated to their destruction and their annihilation. And proof positive is the fact they murdered six people in the last three or four years in this country. Um, there's your proof. Bob Catter there. Catter? Yeah. Catter, yeah. Catter. Um, talking about Fraser Anning's <coughs> speech, uh, this was about um, the final, the quote, final solution uh, for, for immigration. Um, Unfortunately, Anning doesn't know the importance of words because uh, he was building pipelines. So, Kedda is, I mean, people will, rem will remember uh, him for the crocodile and, and homosexual mm -hmm. stuff. Um, another kind of uh, little sound bite that I encourage people to go have a look at. But um, the, 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 the rising in tone, the... Uh, the the wave of ha 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 and rah, 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 rah. <laughs> I think kind of just <laughs> some sums things up. Um, Bob Catter, I mean, he just quickly he has a party. Uh, it's called the Catter Australian Party, isn't it? And this yeah. is this is a kind of nationalist kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so Bob Catter himself is an ultra rich mining magnate who set up his own party. Um, in the same vein as Clive Palmer, who people might remember from a couple of elections back, he did very well with the Palmer Australia Party. Um, Palmer United, sorry. But Catter has a seat that he's held for basically forever in northern rural Queensland, which is basically as deep Queensland as you can get. Mm. Uh, and he's very mu his politics are very much in the same vein of the kind of um, absurd 
ultra-conservative, um, very hardline nationalist politics you get at the fringes of the, what used to be the fringes of the LNP, um, One Nation, and a few other minor parties that crop up in the Senate from time to time. So the yeah yeah the the cross branch benches here just looking at the the list for um, the Senate uh, you know just full of these one seat kind of mm. one seat wonders of um, right wing politics in Australia and obviously the nine seats uh, of the Greens there as well but I mean I think we should probably just start with the with the government coalition and this is a coalition that I guess is held. Uh, for a while, in the sense that mm. I mean, it's called the coalition, even when it's in uh, opposition, and that's the Liberal Party and a few others. Yeah, it's the Liberal Party and the National Party, and the, the history of it I'm not going into is very confusing. But essentially, the Liberals and the National was two separate parties. Um, the Nationals are usually viewed as kind of the rural wing of the coalition. Um, they're pretty much entirely based in rural seats. But you also get people who run as the Liberal National Party sometimes. Um, or you get... Pe- there's also um, the Coalition in the Northern Territory. that has got another name entirely, but it's essentially, again, the Liberal National Party. So you get people who just sort of run as both, and but both parties are still independent. It gets very confusing when you're trying to track it across the different states. But are they all, or at least are the Nationals, represented in the Cabinet, or is it just confidence and supply? No, they are represented. They kind of function as one party mm. when they're actually in government and in the Senate. But in terms of the internal party mechanics, um, the, nationals are, the Nationals and Liberals are still independent parties, and the Nationals... Um, just over the past few weeks have actually been threatening to split from the coalition which would um be a huge break in australian politics yeah yeah no definitely um and things are looking unstable malcolm uh turnbull is gone uh and we had the this they call it a spill over there so uh um generally what 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 the hell happened um so the right wing of the coalition um the what well, is basically the tony abbott faction mm-hmm. kind of the, the tony abbott peter dutton faction um since peter dutton has sort of become their figurehead have been making a lot of rumblings um for a long time to uh overturn um tony abbott and uh, sorry not tony abbott malcolm turnbull who himself threw out Tony Abbott a while back. Um, Turnbull in the polls has been exceptionally unpopular and has led the party to a number of losses at state elections. Uh, so what Turnbull has done is he called a spill uh, last week um, on his own terms. He vacated his own seat as Prime Minister basically to try and get in ahead mm. and cut off Dutton before he had enough strength to do it himself because it seemed very likely that he was going to turf out the he was going to turf out Turnbull within weeks anyway. Um, and he succeeded in that, but basically what's happened is that the Dutton faction have ridden the wave of instability, ridden off their loss and the ill will towards Turnbull for deliberately making things so unstable to secure his position, to call a second leadership um, spill. And what that's done is a lot of Turnbull's staunchest supporters who were sticking with him have said... Have, come to the understanding that there's going to be no way to keep him in the long run and also keep the party stable and keep the uh, government stable. So a lot of his very staunch supporters and sort of the moderate wing of the coalition have switched sides um, purely in order to get Turnbull out and hopefully get sort of a compromise candidate in. Yeah. And, I mean, 
that we we saw this with the with the Labour Party with with Julia Gillard and that kind of thing. I guess it's a bit different. Um, it is a bit different this time round, uh, and the 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 coalition is um, far more ideologically split, you mm-hmm. could say, than Labour was, which was a lot more factional, a lot more to do. Not with personality politics, actually, but more with stra- the, the overarching strategy of the party. Whereas with this, the Abbott-Dutton faction is a, the genuine hard right, um, who have a lot of politics that are just unpalatable to the moderates, who up until a few days ago were led by um, Turnbull. Mm, yeah, see, I, I, I get a bit jealous sometimes of the right uh, and their, the fact that they can have these ideological battles. I wish we could do that more on, on, the, <laughs> le- on the left. So, I mean, that's interesting. So uh, the, the victor, Scott Morrison, uh, I mean, because there, there are, were a number of contenders, weren't there, for the position? Yeah, so there's obviously Dutton. Um, Scott Morrison came in relatively early. We're talking about the time frame of like hours here. Mm. Very fast moving for um, Western politics, which is usually a lot slower than this. Um, uh, and then also Julie Bishop, who is another, not quite Temple supporter, but another of the more moderate wing of the party, also threw a hat in but didn't get enough support, and the compromise candidate effectively became um, Morrison. I don't know the numbers, but Dutton was not happy, and a lot of the important Turnbull supporters also weren't happy um, because they sort of threw their support behind Dutton, not out of any commitment to him, but in this case have kind of both lost their man in, in the governing seat and at the same time also... Are kind of bitter about um, bitter about not backing the right person at the same time, um, but Scott Morrison is as a compromise candidate. He's indicative of the rightward swing of the party because um, even as a compromise candidate, this is the person who were, who established all of the worst conditions you see in the camps at Nauru and Christmas Island, right. um, all of the offshore detention camps. They were all the the condition they're in now with people self-immolating and, at this point, hundreds of suicide, suicide attempts being very common, um, people self-mutilating, um, and a lot of people just begging to leave Australia and saying that um, even active war zones that they've fled from uh, would be better than um, coming to Australia at this point. A lot of them have been in prison for five years. Which is, the, which is the goal of the Australian Which Which government. is the goal of um, the border policy. All of this um, existed before, but in its current horrific state, it was Scott Morrison. So for Scott Morrison to be the compromise candidate um, speaks volumes to where the Liberal National Party <laughs> is at right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so 45 to 40 was Scott Morrison defeating Peter Dutton in, in, in that final one. So 45 uh, plus 40 is 85. That's the whole caucus from the Senate and the uh, lower house, mm. isn't it? Okay. Um, so the so Scott Morrison, the um, seen as the the moderate, but actually right wing. It's funny, New Zealand. Uh, we we see the Kiwi connection of Scott Morrison. He did some kind of tourism stuff in mm. New Zealand. We see that and we go, "Oh, that's good." You know, that <laughs> that's a kind of that, that that that's a good good thing. Uh Julie Bishop, as you mentioned, uh she's also um gone as well. And so 
I guess you you mentioned this gradual um, shift more towards the hard right uh, in the 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 coalition, and, mm. and this has been going on for a while. Yeah, it's been happening gradually, but also occasionally with sort of surges and fits and starts. Um, it'd be hard to pin exactly when, because with Australia, you're going to remember that you're going to remember that 50 years ago, the White Australia policy was still in place. So. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you just get back to where you started in terms of trying to track the rightward drift, but it's certainly been happening since at least John Howard's um, leadership. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned the ideological struggle. I mean, why why the disloyalty? Is it this ideological struggle, or is there just something about Malcolm Turnbull that they hate? Um, It's it's a mixture, because Malcolm Turnbull definitely... Uh, jokingly referred to as the left wing of the party, which kind of just meant that he didn't hate brown people. Mm-hmm. Um, Not as much. But so definitely ideological, um, but also um, very ego driven because there are a lot of people with the knives out thinking they can do better. And for quite some time now, um, in fact, probably the majority of this, um, now it's Abbott Turnbull. Morrison government, um, the LNP have been considerably behind the polls. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's something that Malcolm Turnbull, ironically himself, said when in justifying his overturning of Tony Abbott, was that Tony Abbott had been lost 20 or however many polls, or twenty, I think 30-something polls in a row, and it was the most the government had ever lost in a row um, while still being in power, and then Turnbull himself lost even more in a row. I think almost no public polls have put um, the LNP ahead for the entirety of his time in, which is about three years. It's quite a while to be consistently behind in the polls. Um, yeah, just so people um, know, so Tony Abbott, he replaced Kevin Rudd of the Labour Party in uh, on the 18th of September 2013, uh, and then left uh, two years Tony Abbott mm. lasted two years. Malcolm Turnbull uh, from 2015 to just the other day. Um, and so just counting it up, that is like um, six or seven prime ministers in the last ten years, if you count two Kevin Rudds. Um, I mean, it's it is, this is going to... I mean, you mentioned polls. This is going to have an effect that in the election... Uh, is next year on the 18th of May next year. Uh, this is going to have an effect on electoral performance, isn't it? Labour is ahead 10 points in the latest poll, the post um, spill uh, poll. Mm. Um, so, yeah. It's... I mean, is this is, is, is this an issue that is in the forefront of um, of Australian voters' minds, the, the internal dynamics of a party, or are there more pressing matters at the moment in Australian politics? Because I'm, I'm, I'm quite... I don't really... You know, I'm quite new to it. Um, it's one thing that's going to occupy a section of the front of their mind. I mean, there's a lot of policies that are contentious, to say the least, um, and that are going to be battleground policies, essentially, that will be fought to the death for for many people's careers. Um, but the instability in the parliament is something that's worn thin on... Australians across most demographics, really, um, simply because we've had what has essentially been two straight, incredibly unstable, internally riven uh, governments across the two major parties. So it's it's 
something that is now seen as kind of endemic to the way the Australian Parliament functions, which a lot of people are understandably kind of pissed off about. Yeah, because there's the 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 citizenship issue as well, mm. which nearly tipped things over. There's a one seat majority. Yeah, a single seat, and with Turnbull vacating his seat and causing a by-election, um, he's they're not likely to lose it. But then, don't trust anything that's mm. sort of taken as a political given these days, anyway. Um, so, if they do lose it, it will spark pretty much immediately a general election within whenever the time frame is for actually declaring to hosting one. Um, yeah, if not, the general election's next year, anyway. Right. So, um, Scott Morrison likely has at most a year really or maybe a little less than a year to try and heal the division in the party and get the senate back under control which seems incredibly unlikely and labor um who are at the very least fairly united behind bill shorten even if a lot of them don't like him Mm. um both from the left and the right of the party uh do understand that if they just keep pushing, then they're going to be very well placed by the time the next election rolls around. Yeah, what is Bill Shorten and, and the Labour Party, what is their kind of counterpunch to the coalition's, you know, I guess hate for immigration, which, you know, gets a lot of votes? Mm. What are, what's the what's their alternative, and where do they kind of stand if you contrast them to to our Labour Party? Um, so th- they're kind of confusing because when it comes to immigration, they're actually also very hardline. Mm-hmm. Um, the camps as they stand today, a lot of the groundwork for that was also done under Rudd and Gillard. Um, so, and the party has no intention of closing the camps, really. Um, they do make a lot of noise about softening conditions, but the party is still pretty dedicated to a quite hard border. Um, so on that issue, they're very much to the right of our Labour Party. But when it comes to, uh, say, uh, workers, sort of labour rights, um, they're very much to the left of the New Zealand Labour Party when it comes to um, state intervention um, as economic policy again they're more they're much more to the left of the Australian Labour of the New Zealand Labour Party and when it comes to their counterpunch they're basically saying we'll do the same but softer as a way of trying to have a foot in both on both sides of the fence which usually doesn't work at all because no. the campaigners on the left of them hate the Labour Party for being so weak on this yeah. and the campaigners on the right who want even harsher border controls than there are now hate the Labour Party for being so weak on the issue but from the other side. Yeah, no, it's it's painful to watch and I think this is a pattern across the West is a kind of nationalist uh, socialism and, and no, a nationalist leftism that I mean still plays by the, the rule book of, of a neoliberal global order but in terms of rhetoric, we'll say, you know, things like um, immigration is, is bad for the working class or, or, mm. or, that, kind of, or that kind of thing. It really is um, kind of a lot of the worst aspects of, social dem- of, of original first wave social democracy coming home to roost because social democracy from its very start has kind of accepted the nation state and from that has always accepted borders to some extent. So you get a lot of social democrats have kind of always had 
a pretty hardline view on immigration, um, and that's kind of coming home to roost now that a lot of um, social democratic parties, or at least nominally progressive parties, still on the issue of immigration, will stick with hard borders because their vision is kind of curtailed by the you know the the borders of the nation state. Is there a, a, a leftist alternative to? Uh Labour over in Australia. I mean, the the Greens aren't much much of a, a leftist alternative here, I guess. Um, but is there one in Australia? Um, in Australia, it's not the Greens. Uh, the Greens are a, a better on immigration, but are also uh, tend to be more market driven in terms of their economics under the leadership of Di Natale. Um, I can always, always pronounce his name. I think it's Di Natale. Anyway, um, you don't really have anything else in the Senate, but you do have. Um, socialist parties and at least some sort of nominally progressive parties uh, far, far to the left of what you get at any level of politics in New Zealand who do have some who who at least have the chance of success have a lot more of the groundwork of real parties built up um, at the local level, say Socialist Alliance, which is a previously Trotskyist group that sort of shifted to social democracy over the years. They have a few safe... um, council seats that they just hold. You don't see people who are above-board socialists on even at local council level in New Mm -hmm. Zealand. Uh, And in in Victoria, where the state election is coming up relatively soon at the end of this year, a few months away, um, you have this coalition called the Victorian Socialists who have been built on uh, the three largest genuinely socialist organisations active in Victoria, um, usually constantly feuding, but under the leadership of um, Stephen Jolly, who's a long-term councillor, have sort of made to play nice, and they have a very good shot at getting on the state parliament. In terms of policy, though, the, you know, where's where are the states at in in terms of their, I guess, their autonomy uh, in the in the federal system? Um, and it's at the economic economic policy, they have a lot of independence um, from federal policy. Obviously, that you know things like. Um, uh, very similar to the US, things like defence or foreign policy. It doesn't yeah. exist. It's, it's handled at the federal level. But in terms of economic policy, it's far more than, say, I don't know, the Otago Regional Council has. Yeah. Um, they actually have a lot of power to uh, dictate their own um, uh, labour legislation, um, sort of state interventionism at, at the level of states, not state as in the broader concept. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they can dictate uh, to a certain extent their own tax levels, to a certain extent, not all the way. Um, so capturing sort of a state government does put you in the position of power over um, a lot of economic functions to, mm. um, to you know, steer the direction of that particular state. So you can do some, you can do some good, good work on the state you, level. You can push through some pretty major reforms um, at the state level that will affect, in most in most Australian states, not all of them, but will affect millions of people. It's a very much a position of power that doesn't exist outside of Parliament in New Zealand. Hmm. Um, I was interested, when I was, when I was looking around this morning uh, on this topic, where, where is the best place to get news on Australia? Because I know that News Corp and and Fairfax own pretty much everything. I mean, you know, obviously there's going to be uh, independent stuff. The you know there'll, there'll be a, a thousand leftist blogs. I can imagine in that kind of thing. Yeah, there, there's a, 
quite and Australia does have a much more vibrant independent press than New Zealand so there's plenty of very good um, quite independent media sources in terms of if you just want like boring centrist analysis then probably the best is Guardian Australia because whenever something big happens they will have a very detailed live blog of it are they part of the Guardian UK? Uh, I think they're a subsidiary but they're pretty much entirely independent yeah yeah Cool. Well, um, fast times. Uh, yeah. How long? How long is Scott Morrison going to last? Um, <laughs> he could be gone within a month, mm-hmm. um, or within a couple months if they proverbially trip over their dick in mm-hmm. Wentworth, and the safe seat that Turnbull previously had is lost. He could just be gone like that. Um, alternately, he probably won't get the next election. It yeah. seems pretty likely that he won't. So. He has anywhere between a month and a year, which is not long, um, to lead a country. <laughs> and Bill Shorten will take Labour into the next election? It's very likely. Um, both sides of the Labour Party would prefer to see someone else leading, but they are very much more committed to just having someone who they can agree with on at least some things lead the party to an election, or between elections, um, in this case over a few elections, and be visibly the same person leading the party, not being constantly rolled all the way through, which has meant a lot because Labour has clawed back their position in the polls. Yeah, well, I just thought in terms of, you know, before the election, in terms of them losing a one-seat majority, the, the, the coalition government, I mean, I, you know, I think of Theresa May and the the Northern Irish reactionaries. Are there some of those one-seat party cross-benches that could save the coalition government if that happened? Um, Yes, in a way. Um, If they lost their majority, it would probably still trigger an election just because Labour wouldn't shut up until um, that election was fired. Um, But there are a number of parties, the Qatar Australia Party for one, um, One Nation, and also a couple of the very small cross-benches. There's one in Tasmania, uh, there is a bloke who used to be a broadcaster in New Zealand, I forget his name, but he's got another one seat in the Senate party that um, aligns more with the Liberals. But the thing is, a lot of them see the Liberals as a sinking ship and would rather just take it to a net, rather than get a position in a sinking government, mm. would rather push it to the next election and try and make gains off of a collapsing LNP. So a lot of them could, just policy for policy, back up the government, but probably would only do so as a kind of caretaker to bring it to the election and would much prefer to just push it all the way and yeah. make as many gains as they can. Alright, cheers for, for coming in, Tyler. Uh, no and, problem. And, and talking about the mess over the ditch, our, our favourite cousins. I, I, I think we feel quite um, pleased with ourselves over here. We, <laughs> should, we shouldn't let it get to our head. Don't get cocky, kid. That yep. kind of thing. <laughs> uh,